So Jess, why did you become a realtor? I worked in a various customer service jobs, so I wanted something a little bit more rewarding. Um, becoming a real estate agent, being able to help people find their forever homes or their investment homes, starter homes, it's very exciting, so a lot of fun. Now, you've gotten off to a really good start in your real estate career. What has been the most rewarding part of this for you so far? Helping people, especially like first time home buyers, um, finding their first home. They're so excited. Um, I'm so excited to help them. So it's a nice, rewarding part. What is it that you think makes you different than other real estate agents? I think that my various roles in customer service has helped me. So. I like to ask a lot of questions and I want to know what I'm doing. So I think that helps a lot because I'm not going to steer people the wrong way. I'm going to make sure they have knowledgeable decisions um, and help them find the right home. Last thing I'm going to ask you is, and I know these are words that you live by, but the mantra at CTBB Realty is people over paychecks do the damn thing. And that's what we do. The Giants are running New York like the times as Danny is dropping all sorts of dimes. Saquon's thighs are ruining defenses' lives and Leonard Williams making opposing QBs feel him. Receivers think it's scary to line up across James Bradbury and the Giants have a bright future led by coach, judge, jury, and executioner. Tune in to Drawing About the G-Men every Wednesday at 6, live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Which this ain't some clown show organization or something else. Joel Tyler's down, wide open, it's Barkley. And Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this. They lob it to me. Taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now, is the best coach of college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Finch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not, they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Welcome to Sports Talk with RJ. I'm Steve Rister along here with Justin Anafrio. And yesterday, Tom Brady made it official on his Instagram that he is retiring from the NFL after 22 seasons. And what an incredible career Tom Brady had. Seven-time Super Bowl champion, multiple Pro Bowls, multiple All-Pro selections, and just, just what he did. I mean, obviously, you know, coming to New England, uh, you know, being the backup for Drew Bledsoe, winning that job in 2002. People forget he led the league in touchdown passes the year after he won the Super Bowl. Then he led the Patriots at two Super Bowl championships. Then there was a little bit of a window there where the Patriots didn't win Super Bowls, but no, nobody will forget his 2007 season. I was there when he broke the when he broke uh, when he broke the record for touchdown passes in a season. He broke Peyton. I think he broke uh, Peyton Manning's record for touchdown yeah. passes in a season with 50. I was there for that. Uh, actually, him and Moss broke it on the same play. He had an incredible 2007 season, even though the Patriots didn't win the Super Bowl. Got hurt in 08. And then from 09, from, from, from there from there on out, he was incredible. For, he was incredible for, for the Patriots for the next decade. 
Then, probably one of the most impressive things of his career, though, though, was he went somewhere else, went to Tampa. A lot of people questioned, you know, should he really be going to Tampa? He could be, you know, hurting his legacy. He absolutely did it. He won a Super Bowl. Uh, he threw for over 40 touchdown passes, won a Super Bowl. And then this year, uh, he led the league in passing yards and touchdown passes. So Brady is leaving the game uh, still, play, still playing outstanding. He's leaving the game. Uh, still playing at a high level. And I think that the, the biggest thing for him, why he's the greatest of all time, was all the championships he won and the fact he was able to play at a high level at uh, at the age at the age he was. I mean, he was able to play at a top three. He still was a top three quarterback this year at 44, and I thought that was incredible. Justin, you watched all of Brady's career. What were your thoughts on what happened uh, on, on, on the outstanding career of Tom Brady? Yeah, you know, I don't think it's all kind of set, you know, settled in yet that, He's actually going to retire, and this is going to be it. But, yeah, he was phenomenal for, you know, over 20 years being in New England. Um, just how, how important he was to that organization and how he – him and Bill just, you know, orchestrated that dynasty. Again, he's got seven Super Bowl rings, more than any NFL, you know, team. You know, the Patriots are in the Cowboys have six. They're up – like um, he's, you know, he's won so many playoff games. He's won the most all the time. He's broken every record that he could have, you know, yeah, he's probably like, he, he was still playing at the top of his game. He probably could have been as well next year. You know, he's probably leaving another good year out there. Probably maybe two, who knows? Um, But look, there's nothing else for him to kind of do anymore. He's broken everything. He's won seven titles. You know, he's kind of done it all, but you know, he's the greatest quarterback all the time. You know, you saw last year, you know, or in 2020 with Cam, but the difference between, you know, Tom and just not having him there and having that effect, you know, ha- kind of having the down year for the Patriots. Like, he meant so much to that fan base. That's so much to that organization. He's phenomenal. Uh, he was a winner. You know, again, um, you know, great to the fans, media, everybody around New England. Um, fan favorite. He's, he's, you know, he's a legend in New England sports. He's a legend in the NFL. And, um, uh, he had a remarkable career. It's going to be very weird not to see him on the field next year. Absolutely. And you talked about, you know, what he meant to, to the city of city of Boston, the region of New England. I mean, I don't think there's a player that meant more. I think he, he means more than David Ortiz. I think he means more than Bill Russell. I mean, he means more than Larry Burke just because of how many championships he won. And he did it in an era where the quarter, where the, where the league was so quarterback driven. He won all those championships in an era where the league is quarter, so quarterback driven. I mean, Greatest, yeah, nice one, Hector. Greatest 199th pick ever. Yeah, you, yeah, came in as <laughs> came came in as the underdog, but he showed you what hard work does. I mean, hard, hard, I mean, that's why that's why I'm one of the people that didn't buy the whole. If Drew Bledsoe didn't get hurt, he wouldn't have the career he had. I think he would have he would have found he might he might have found another team to have the career he had with. with. So I, I I just think just an outstanding career. And yeah, yeah, yesterday he didn't you know give the Patriot fans credit in the in the letter, but I think he did that previous. I think he did that previously. And there might be another post coming today. And he obviously when he retweeted Kraft and thank thank the fans in New England. So I don't take any stock any stock in that. Did you do Justin? Do you take any stock in not mentioning the Patriot fans? Not really, because I thought his goodbye to New England was like two years ago when he was leaving. You know, I bet there's something like I know he's coming back up. I think you know, I know he's coming back up soon to sign like a one year D or like a one day contract. That's when I think he's gonna do it. Uh, that that no, I don't know if he's talking about the just Brady general here retiring, but um, yeah, I, I just I think you know he may say something then, but for me, a 20, 27 uh, Hall of Famer, no doubt. Um, you know, 
Oh, that's that's that, that's. Yeah, yeah, that's out. Really he'll be a fur. He'll be he'll be a fur. It's it's crazy. He has to wait that long. He probably shouldn't yeah, have to wait that long for how good he was. Yeah, but 2027, <laughs> Patriot fans already book your. They're already gonna be booking their uh, booking their trips to Canton for 2027 because I think that. I think I think the whole the whole region of New England will have that place. Yeah, uh, uh, that place will all be like booked in Canton. They'll already have their hotel rooms by like 2025. <laughs> That's something you know. I mean, as a Giants fan with Eli Manning, like you won't know until February of 2025 if he's going to get into the Hall of Fame or not. Like the Patriots with Tom Brady, you know, you know, you're a hundred percent sure that he's obviously going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know he will be. Um, but, you know, yeah, they should. Uh... You know, give him like a, a, uh, a special exception here. Just let him, you know, be inducted in the August or whatever um, for Hungary. Because, yeah, he's out undoubtedly going to be in there for his ballot, all of that. Um, and, yeah, you know, and again, Patriots fans, they got to beat out, uh, you know, the Pittsburgh fans who are right there because Big Ben's probably going to be probably for his ballot as well. So, it'll be a ton of New England and uh, Pittsburgh fans. Uh, how fans tough there. is it going to be to go to that uh, enshrinement ceremony? I think right now it's yeah. going to be brutal. But, but I think the Patriot fans get the tickets first because I don't I don't know if the Pittsburgh – I think Big Ben's going to be first ballot, but Brady's obviously first ballot. But Big Ben, you're not 100 – you're like 95% sure. So I think there will be more New England fans. But you know the Patriots and Steelers will play in that Hall of Fame game. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I don't know the last time the Patriots have played that Hall of Fame game. It's been a while. But, yeah, it's probably going to be – yeah, it's, that's a good point. The New England fans definitely know. Yeah, Big Ben, you get you have a good idea that he's probably going to get in, but yeah, it's not 100% set in, set in stone that he'll get in as well that year. But yeah, so uh, yeah, Patriot fans, yeah, be booking those uh, tickets the next years. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Brady goes in before. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, oh, oh he's, he's easily. I mean, I, I think Eli might go in before Brady because of just because he retired two years early. Like Eli's not guaranteed to get in like 2025. He might get in 2026. But yeah, like but, but like Brady, it's 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 automatically going to be first. It's going to automatically be first ballot. Where yeah, Big Ben and Eli, you don't know if they're going to be first ballot or not. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Because you know, now I don't think it'll happen. What what happens if like Eli falls to 2027? He got Brady, be a little crazy. Big Ben, and Eli all getting in at the same time. That would be crazy. That would, that would be yeah, crazy. That generation of quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. That 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 would be crazy if that happens. But now, now, now to talk about you know we we talked about him retiring. Now we want to talk about the best moments of Brady's career. And uh, I did my top five moments. Justin did his top five moments. But because Justin's a Patriot fan, I'll give I'll have you give him his top five moments first. All right, number five. This one's an off-the-board one, but I thought it was yep. that back in 09, the five touchdown performance in the snow, you know, with the throwback uniforms. He threw six in that game where they beat the Titans 59 nothing. I was just so impressed because it was so hard that day. And from the way they were throwing the football around, that was special. I love watching games in the snow. Uh, that moment always stuck out to me. Uh, that was such an incredible game, the way they just dismantled the Titans. Number four was a 24-point comeback against Peyton Manning. Um, back in 2013, um, yeah, Pector should should retire. Yeah, that's Patriot obvious. Yeah. That. There's 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 no way no one's wearing no. There's no way a Patriot player is going to wear it number twelve. There's no oh, way absolutely. That will be because that will definitely be next year at some point because they already did Edelman's this year. So that that will definitely be at one of the games this year. So yeah, absolutely, nobody will touch the number twelve again in New England. Uh, but my number four one was. The Peyton Manning comeback, they're down 24 nothing going to the start of the third quarter. They tied it going – they tied it 24 to head to overtime and 
they got the ball and uh, won it in uh, overtime against Denver Broncos. That was just a great comeback. Number three was the Super Bowl 49 comeback against the Seahawks. They were down 20, you know, they were down 24 to 14 too against that Legion of Boom elite defense. They really couldn't do anything all day. Now, yeah, they got lucky on the play calling there at the end. But, you know, he led two really good drives in that, you know, fourth quarter there because, you know, they, they struggled most of that game offensively. But what Brady shows is in the Super Bowl fourth quarter, you know, the moment's bright. It's usually when he plays his best, and he did in that game. Number two is just that whole 2007 season. As you mentioned, kind of, as you know, uh, talking at the beginning, where they were undefeated. He threw for 15 touchdown pa- or 50 touchdown passes, you know, breaking Peyton Manning's record. You know, winning the MVP for the first time, throwing for four, over four, 480 yards, 480,000 yards. You know, his completion percentage was 68%. He had an unbelievable career. Fortunately, it ended, you know, poorly, the Super Bowl loss, but it was still a remarkable year. Um, just just such impressive numbers. And that team, you know, you, you put him with a guy like Randy Moss, the year that those two had was remarkable. And my number one one was the Super Bowl 52 comeback, down 28 to 3. Uh, just again, I'll be honest. I, I thought they were done. I, I I just could not take another second of that game. I, I still can't believe the comeback that they that they had in that game. Um, one of the best comebacks of all time you'll ever see in any sport. That 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 game, um, I think was number one. Just again, they were counted out. They probably should have lost, but Brady and that team did not quit, and they found a way to come back and knock off the Atlanta Falcons. All right, here are my top five moments. Number one for me, and I personally was here to see it, when Tom Brady broke Peyton Manning's record uh, for touchdown passes in a season in 2007. I was at that game against the Giants. Obviously, we know that game propelled the Giants to winning a Super Bowl, but uh, and it was the, probably one of the best decisions Tom Coughlin ever made playing the starters in that game. But uh, but that game where Brady broke the record, Randy Moss broke the record on the same play. He broke Jerry Rice's record for touchdown passes, touchdown receptions in a season on the same play. That was my number five. That was, that was number five for me. Number four was him winning the Super Bowl last year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because he proved that he did not need the New England Patriots to have he, – he did not need the Patriots to have all of his success. He could go somewhere else and have the same success. So for me, that was my that – was, that, that was number four, him winning the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers. Number three, it was him winning his first Super Bowl because, as, as we know, it was still a controversy between him and Bledsoe because – because as a lot of – as – uh, some people might forget Drew Bledsoe. He, Brady got hurt in that AFC Championship game, and Drew Bledsoe won that game. And in the Super Bowl, there was a controversy of who was going to start, and and Belichick chose to start Brady, and then Brady won that game. And at that point, the Patriots had to stick with Brady. So that's why that was my top. That that was number three for me. Number two was the Super Bowl against the Seattle Seahawks. He was down ten points in the fourth quarter to one against one of the best defenses of our generation, a defense that the year before made Peyton Manning look look really, really bad in the Super Bowl. He was down 24 to 14 against that defense and he led that comeback and and, and he got his fourth Super Bowl t- and he got the Patriots their fourth Super Bowl title. And number one is so obvious. Super Bowl 51, down 28-3 in, in the second half against the Falcons, making that comeback the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, led by the greatest quarterback of all time. That is my number one moment. That is, that is my top Tom Brady moment. Yeah, that the, the... Yeah, that, that was my mo- that's, a, that, yeah. that's my top moment. Just 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 absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, that so now, was unbelievable. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So now we'll look at where the Bucks go from here. Now, now that Brady's gone, where are they going to go from here? And I think it's actually a pretty obvious move where Tampa Bay goes. 
I don't think they go to Kyle Trask. I don't think Kyle Trask is ready. I think the obvious move is going to be they're going to trade a second or third round pick and go get Jimmy Garoppolo. That's my prediction. I think Jimmy Garoppolo, they're going to trade for Garoppolo because obviously the most obvious thing in the offseason is, is that uh, that Garoppolo is going to be going to be gone from, from, from the, the 49ers are obviously going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. So I think they trade for Garoppolo. And if they do, it still puts them in position in a bad division to win that division. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because, yeah, that as we mentioned, you know, with Peyton gone now, Carolina's probably still kind of in the middle of a rebuild. The Atlanta Falcons, Carolina's, who knows what directions. Yeah. yeah. So, Carolina's like, yeah, that's div- yeah, yeah, that division is a crap. Yeah. Yeah, Atlanta's not going to be very good. Saints are, you know, who knows who, who they're going to hire as a new coach. So, yeah, you know, again, nine or ten wins, you win you at the division. Jimmy G should be absolutely get you to that spot. Uh, it'll be interesting because he doesn't, you know, and I think that is the most obvious move. He doesn't really seem to fit the Bruce Arians kind of scheme here. So that will be an interesting thing. But, again, he's got all those weapons. So as long as you're halfway decent, you don't, you know, as long as you don't throw 35 interceptions, you're going to be pretty good next year. And I, I think, yeah, I think Jimmy G is good enough to win them enough games, to win them that division. Again, I, I think he's good enough to lead that team to a Super Bowl. But, you know, with, with all of you, know, we'll see what they do if they are able to keep Godwin and all that. But, yeah, I do think that's a, the most obvious choice that the Buccaneers probably going now. Oh, I, oh, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, they could go get a Gardner Minshew or a, trade for a Minshew or a Mariota. But, but I mean, I know Garoppolo's not going to make them Super Bowl contenders, but he still gives that team a level of respectability. I feel like they're, you know, maybe I think I think with them they're like an eight nine win team, and eight or nine wins can easily win that division. Looking at the way, and as we talked about, looking at the way the division is, the Saints, Sean Payton retires, and we don't know what's going to happen with them. The uh, the Falcons, they I mean they still have Matt Ryan, but they don't have a, they have a really bad roster. Ryan had a, had to have a, a, one of his better years to get that team to seven wins, and then the Panthers. They look to me. They they're going to be one. I think they're going to be one of the worst teams in in the league next year. I mean, their offense is absolutely pathetic. So, I I I think that yeah, you get a Jimmy G, you could still win that division. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you're definitely going to be able to. Um, yeah, because Jimmy G, I think, is good enough. Again, he's not going to be that elite level quarterback like a Tom Brady, but he's good enough to manage your game. He'll make the mistakes, which kind of worries me in Arian's kind of system. Um, but, yeah, with the weapons they have, again, I know they have some questions of guys that they kind of have to resign and all that, but that defense is still going to be, be elite. They got an elite offensive line. You know, running backs are, you know, are, you know Fournette's still all right, but, again, that wide receiver room he's got, yeah, they should absolutely win that division. Again, yeah, they're not going to probably win. 13, 14 games, but they should easily get nine or 10 wins in that division. Oh, without question, without question, without question. So unfortunately we got to move on to some, some bad news in the NFL. And, uh, but I'm going to say bad news. I think it's just to just, you know, the lack of diversity is a problem in the NFL. And I like what Brian Flores is doing about it. He right now is currently suing the, the, the NFL and the Dolphins, the Broncos and the Giants. He's suing the Giants for, you know, giving him a sham interview, uh, not knowing who – basically knowing that Brian Dable had gotten the job before he even interviewed. He's suing the Dolphins for paying him $100,000 for every loss in the 2019 season for tanking games. And he's suing the Denver Broncos for uh, for being showing up late and hungover to his interview. So I, th- I really like what Brian Flores is doing. The biggest issue in the NFL right now 
is a lack of diversity, especially with head coaches. I think it's a disgrace. There's only one African-American head coach. I think it's an absolute disgrace that there is. And, 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 and two of them were fired this year, and they should have never been fired. Brian Flores should have not been fired in Miami. And, uh, and, uh, and uh, David Culley should have never been fired with the Houston Texans. Two of them should have never been fired. So the biggest issue, in my opinion, is the lack of diversity of NFL head coaches. And this may cost Brian Flores a coaching job. But I really, really, I think he's 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 finally standing up and trying to change what's been going on in the NFL and make it and and, and making it easier for African American African Americans to get head coaching jobs. Yeah, absolutely. And if I was a GM or owner, and you know, in this kind of job circuit, he Brian Flores would be my first call if I'm looking for a new head coach. With the job he did with the Dolphins to make sure that team didn't quit, what he did a few years ago with that team where everyone thought that was going to be one of the worst NFL teams uh, of all time, and the win five games, a muster, a couple of wins on that team, was impressive. He's done a really good job with the Dolphins. Yeah, you know, again, with the NFL, you know, they, they do have to get better with this diversity. So, yeah, Mike Tomlin right now is the only, the only you know, African-American, African-American head coach in, in the game, and that shouldn't happen. There's a lot of good coordinators uh, you know, that that have, you know, gotten, you know, the interviews and all that, haven't got the jobs for whatever reason. Uh, it, it's a shame. You know, and, and Floyd is a guy that's really deserving. And, yeah, he may blow his chance. Again, my reason, well, because of going to the Bill Belichick thing for, you know, the text messages, I have to believe Bill kind of knew he was texting Flores. Again, I, I think, you know, because I, I want Flores to be the next New England head coach. You know, with everything going on, where a team maybe avoid him, the Patriots bring him back in. I, I could, you know, again, it's Bill Belichick. You don't know what's going on in his head at, at all times. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a shame, and I, I kind of, uh, you know, trying to because there, there's no reason this guy should not be ga- be getting a head coaching job. I know he's still in line for the Texan job. I don't know if it, that's probably going to change things now with what's going on. But yeah, it's a shame. And again, he's you know the NFL does have to fix it. And again, it just the the uh, Rodney rule just doesn't seem to work because you could just interview the guys, but again, you yeah you don't have to hire them. And I, I think that that's a big big problem. Yeah, and I I don't think I think Bill made a mistake. I think he was trying. I was thinking. I think he was texting Dayball. I I really do. And uh, I, and this actually stemmed. This probably was the thing that caused Flores to to to, to pursue legal actions because. You know, because because the Dolphins, you really because I don't know because the Dol- the uh, Dolphins and Broncos things are tough to prove. It's tough to prove to, that Stephen Ross, you know, pay was offered to pay Brian Flores. The Bronco things really difficult to prove if they show if they showed up late or if they showed up hung over to his interview. But the Giant thing, there's text messages of evidence that the Giants were going in that direction. Now the thing is, where, where the Giants would really be at fault here is if. Those words, if Bill heard that from Merritt and Titch, if you heard from Merritt and Titch, the Giants are in big, big trouble because they're, they're, they pretty much, you know, are, are high, pretty much have a candidate hired before they even interview a guy. A guy and, 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 and now, and, 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 the, and the guy is a, is a, is a, is a black man where, uh, a black man where, with lack of diversity in the league. So the Giants are in big, big trouble if this, if, if Bill heard that from Titch and Merritt. I don't know if we're ever going to know that, but if the Giants, yeah, if Titch and Merritt know about it, the Giants are in big trouble. But if Bill just, you know, heard it, you know, so, somewhere, you know, just heard it, like, just randomly heard it somewhere from, like, you know, somebody in maybe the Bills organization, the Giants might not be in a lot of trouble. But, but, but the, yeah, if the, if the Giants, you know, 
if if Merritt, if you heard this from Merritt and Tish, the Giants are in big, big trouble. Yeah, absolutely. I think they would. You know, in the Giant one, me and James were talking about it before the show. The Giant one only the only one that really makes sense here because the minute they hired um Joe uh, Shane, you figured they were going Dable the entire time. You know, like, uh, and I think, you know, we kind of all knew that. And so I could see where, yeah, where Belichick makes that mistake. But, yeah, it, but, like, if it really came down to where Shane had in his mind, it's no matter what Brian Dable, and he was not open-minded to anything else. and Or the Giants kind of were out there kind of saying, it, it's Dable, we're not hiring anybody else. And, yeah, that is a problem. That's, that you know, that is the, really, that that is some strong evidence that, that Bill has there. If yeah, Tish or Mayor had any idea of that going to happen or, or kind of work on where we're on that plan then absolutely the Giants could get in a lot of trouble here and it'd be very bad to start the new gm kind of head coaching kind of era here with like a with something hanging that over there over the the head of the organization oh absolutely 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 and yeah the giants obviously is the easiest to prove the, the, the Broncos is probably the, the one that's going to be tough because you don't, you can't, there's probably no recording from the interview. There's no, you know, they really, it's tough to, it's tough to go back three years and see what, what happened there. And the Dolphins could, you could, you could, you could prove the Dolphin one because, you know, if he was offered money to tank games and that could be a problem for the Dolphins because if an owner is like telling a coach to tank games, that could be a big problem for Steven Ross too. So, so the two teams that could be in very, very big trouble that, that could really get trouble for this are the Giants and the Dolphins. And you're hearing rumors, too, now from Hugh – I saw an article on CBS Sports from Hugh Jackson where, you know, the, 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 he was offered the same thing from Jimmy Haslam. So you could see – I think right now the Giants and Dolphins could be in big trouble if, if this stuff winds up being true. And you could see other organizations – this could happen – an organization like the Browns, this could happen to as well. Guys like, guys like Haslam – guys like, you know, uh, Stephen Ross, the, John Mara, and Jimmy Haslam could be in big trouble. Yeah. And what's the one common factor of all these organizations? Is they're all run poorly. So it wouldn't shock me. It really wouldn't if any of this happened. It really would not shock. And then I heard saw a dolphin do it too. It was in the New York Post, where he, you know, where Brian Forrest, um, you know, is um accusing two of the dolphins of tampering, having a meeting with Tom Brady on a yacht. And Brian Forrest was invited to the meeting, but did not want to go because he knew it was tampering. I again, you know. That could be tougher, but because I don't think Brady's going to admit anything to that, you know. So that one's out there too. Yeah, you could, you know, with the Dolphins one, you could find evidence on that. You know, the Hugh Jackson one I did see a little bit ago. Yeah, do you mention too? Yeah, it would be tough because that's been a while ago, but you could probably find it. But again, all these organizations are very poorly. It would not shock me to see the Dolphins wanting to take games or the Browns. It, it just again, these this is why those organizations are never good and can never get anywhere. They just they're run poorly from the top down, and that's why they're always bad. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And I think the one thing that's going to come out of this is is you're not you're not going to have any more of these backdoor deals anymore. That's not happening because the GMs and owners they are not going to say anything about who they're hiring. I think that's what that's what Brian Flores. That's, that's why I really like that Brian Flores is is, is speaking up right now. Is 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 is, 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 is uh, pursuing legal action because. You're not going to hear any of this stuff anymore. What happened with the Giants? You're not going to hear any of that stuff anymore now that Flores has done this. No, absolutely not. It's going to be hush hush, and it surprised it. Well, I guess I'm not surprised it wasn't, but like to be closer under wraps, I guess, 
because yeah, now now it's a you got a situation like this. Teams don't want to deal with this. Absolutely, you're gonna you're gonna see teams uh, being a lot more quieter on this front about kind of the high, the coaching hirings that for for uh, now on. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we really like what Bri- I really like what Brian Flores has done. We'll see what ends up happening with it. It's probably gonna cost him a head coaching job, but I really like the fact that he is standing up standing up for the African-American men in this league, the African-American, the African-Americans in this league. He is trying to give them an opportunity. And I think he's doing a really, really, I think he's doing a great thing right here. Yeah, absolutely. I think he is. Yeah. Cause he's deserving of it. He's again, he's as deserving as any candidate on the board. He's probably the best one out there. Um, you know, yeah, it could cost him a job, you know, yet again, I think he said that in kind of um, his statement, but he's kind of like, you know, Again, it's the future kind of wanting to change things. And, and again, you know, the last couple of years, it's kind of been that, in, you know, Americans been trying to change that all. And, yeah, I think it's a good thing by by uh, Brian Flores to kind of take legal action here. Again, hopefully it turns out the best for him. Again, hopefully, I, I hope he gets another job because he definitely deserves it. Um, but, yeah, I do think he's taking a good job. And, I, I you know, I hope this goes in a step forward for the NFL. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to get to the games last week, and uh, we'll start with the big upset in Kansas City, and that was that was between the Chiefs and the Bengals. You thought in the second quarter the Chiefs were just going to run away with this, get to the Super Bowl for the third year in a row, but this game changed. This is pretty obvious. This game changed when the Chiefs chose to pass up on a field goal, you know, before before uh, before the uh, the end of the first half, and then they went for it. They didn't get it. And the game changed completely. Bengals did a great job making adjustments in the second half, playing some man rushing three, playing man coverage. The Bengals made a great job. Uh, they did a great job making adjustments. Joe Burrow proved how great he was in that second half, proves why he's probably a top five quarterback in this league, leading this Bengals team to the Super Bowl. And this and, and this game for the Chiefs, this is going to hurt Mahomes and uh, Reed's legacy uh, to, to blow this lead. Mahomes, if he wants to be compared to one of the top – to those top quarterbacks, to the Tom Brady, to the Joe Montana, to the Peyton Mannings. He wants to be compared to those top quarterbacks. He's got to win that game. You got a 21-3 lead at home against a team that has not been to an NF- to, to a conference championship game in over 30 years, and you blow that lead, that's on you. He had a really, really, really poor uh, sec- sec- uh, second half. That Those two interceptions were very, very costly, a brutal loss for the Chiefs. But the Bengals, led by Joe Burrow, are going to the Super Bowl. Who would have thought that before the season started? Yeah, absolutely. It is insane. Um, again, I had the Bengals. I think winning five or six games. I, I, you know, again, that's I thought Joe Burrow was going to win them those five six games. To see what he's done with Cincinnati, you know, with that offense that they have. And again, yeah, before the half, it just seemed like after what that mistake that most, you know, at the end of the half there, it just seemed like Mahomes was trying to fix that mistake. And he was, you know, he wasn't as patient in the second half, but again, Zach Taylor and the Bengals made great adjustments. They, Cause that first full first half, they only rushed like three guys, you know, they, they started to come after him again. He was under pressure that whole second half match from Mahomes, And again, it, it worked. And he just kept trying to make that, you know, big throw, trying to make the big play. And it didn't, didn't happen. Um, you know, and then Mahomes made that because that before the half, he said he thought he had a timeout left, which again, like that's on that's him, a, that's on Andy Reid, that's that's yeah. inexcusable. Inexcusable. If you want to be considered great, that is inexcusable not knowing that situation there. Yeah. Yeah, it is. 
you know, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta be able to go through all those things in your head, you know, during a timeout, during one of those timeouts, you get, you know, you, you gotta realize that. Yeah. That's a horrible mistake on him. It just seemed like he was just trying to make up for it. And yeah. And then the second half too, the Chiefs stopped, you know, doubling Jamar Chase. He got open again. I've never seen a quarterback, maybe aside Tom Brady, that's just so cool under pressure, like every single time. Oh, again, like he, for a guy that broke his leg last year and got sacked nine times last week, to like just kind of be in that zone and just kind of, you know, you know, just kind of be that relaxed, you know, and composed, it's unbelievable. You know, and he, can he tore him up the second half? You know, it's a great story with the Bengals. Again, I'm, I'm cheering for him. Uh, it's been an incredible run. Again, it was a great comeback. Yeah, I thought they were left for dead there at halftime. But, again, they took all that momentum of the mistake the Chiefs had in the second quarter or, you know, going to halftime, and they took off and ran with it. It's a great game. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm happy for Joe Burrow and the Bengals, man. Um, that, 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 that was impressive. Yeah, you talked about it. He's not phased by the pressure. And I felt like Mahomes, how, with how, for how great he is, he got phased by the pressure in the second half. Joe Burrow? Nothing phased him. It seems like all postseason, nothing has phased this guy. Getting sacked nine times against the Titans, nothing phased him. Down 21 to three in the uh, AFC Championship game, nothing phased him. And I, I think he's going to be able to handle that pressure of the Super Bowl. I think this game's going to be competitive. Yeah, absolutely. I think he will too. Again, you got another Rams dominant pass rush here. But yeah, like he's a guy that, again, he may get sacked five or six times. But again, he's not going to sit, he's not going to rush his throws after a while. He's not going to do any of that. He's not going to make, you know, I know he made the one interception there in the fourth quarter, which I thought was in turn thing. But, yeah, he's a top – he's a he's going to be a great quarterback. Yeah, he's top five right now. You know, again, you know, the the AFC was setting up of him, Allen, Justin Herbert, and all, you know, Mahomes, Lamar Jackson. Again, it's the, the new generation AFC quarterback. He's going to be right there every year, which is insane. You talk about Cincinnati. But, yeah, he's not faced. Um you know, it, it, it was remarkable to see him, you know, under for that much pressure and just be able to keep his cool, find guys, you know, and yeah, Mahomes. Again, it looked like the first half of the season um, in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, Hector gets to the points when you can't cheat yeah, yeah. and up kick that field goal, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That was a terrible, terrible decision. That is one of Andy Reid's worst. I mean, I don't know if it was Andy Reid's decision or Patrick Mahomes' decision, yeah. but both of them yeah. should be at fault for that. I mean, Patrick Mahomes needs to listen to his coach. I'm sorry. I know you're great, but you got to listen to your coach. And Andy Reid, you shouldn't be letting the player decide what to do. As much as I think, you know, Brady was as responsible, uh, Brady was more, as much as I think Brady was more responsible than Belichick, if Belichick wanted to take points there, they're ta- the Patriots are taking points back, back, back when they, when, back when Brady and Belichick were together. That cannot happen. That, that, that sequence costed you a trip to the Super Bowl. Terrible on both both ends. Reed and Mahomes. That was absolutely terrible, and it's going to hurt both of their legacies that they that, that they lost that football game because that's a game they should have won. Oh yeah, absolutely. They, there's no excuse for them to lose that game. Again, you're getting the ball two in the second half. Kick the points. You know, go get a touchdown in the third quarter. Go figure. You know, yeah. Don't give them the momentum here. Don't give their defense kind of because they gave that Bengals defense all the momentum in the world for making that stop. Oh, and you heard, they you heard Evan Wasper and Tracy Wilson, 12 Tracy Wilson. It turned around the game. That is probably a completely different football game if they kick that field goal. Oh, absolutely. Again, that's probably not a game. That you know, the Chiefs probably go on and win by maybe by 20 points still. Again, maybe they're all, you know, since offense kind of gets rolling, 
but yeah, I don't see their defense making many stops. Again, yeah, they, you know, you're exactly right. That changed the game. It absolutely did. And yeah, that again, I don't know what they were thinking. Again, they got too greedy. They got okay. This team's not going to stop us. Let's let's get greedy here. You know, we're you know, again, I get it. That that team when they're right, it's backyard football. It's like you're playing a video game. You know, it's, you're playing Madden with that team, but they got greedy again. You got to kind of get out of that mindset. Okay, we've had a great half. Let's kick the point. Let's kick the points here. Go to the half. We're up what? You know, twenty-four to three. Then, yeah, twenty-four three. You're up three scores. You know, um, I'm sorry, but I'm not a fan of the analytics. Back in the day, you get the points out every opportunity. Absolutely, I completely agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. You, and I'm admit, I'm a kind of in between old school and analytics, but when you're in that situation. There is no way at there's no way you don't take the points there. There's no way you don't take the points there. And I don't want to question Andy Reid, but that was a horrible, horrible in-game decision by Andy Reid there. Horrible. And it was at the worst time because it was right before the half. They kicked that field goal. They're up 24 to 10, have the ball back. They could if they score one more time, that game's over. Or even if they get a field goal there, that game's probably over. Horrible, horrible in-game decision by Andy Reid. Oh yeah, absolutely. That that's got to be one of his worst, uh, of you know, of his career so far. And again, yeah, again, in the play call too was that like a he wrote, they they ran like a halfback like uh, swing pass and they going backwards. Like what? If you're gonna do it, throw something in the end zone. Throw something to Kelsey. Throw something to Hill. I you know like why? I know the screen's been working for him, but yeah, it just made no sense. It's like I didn't like the play call. Get take the points. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. You know, either actor of the analytics. I just. Again, I, I think, you know, this is a perfect example of the game should be played on the field, not what the numbers tell you. It's it's always – every game's different. You know, like, again, yeah. you can't really replicate the same no. kind of formula. So I just – I don't I don't get it. I don't get why they got that greedy there. I just don't. And the thing is, is people that have that are all, all analytics have no sense of game flow. They have no sense of game flow. That's the problem. Oh, how many how many percent of the time? Oh, well, he makes it this this percentage of time. Who cares? If if you have a sense of game flow, you're kicking the field goal there. Brandon Staley having a lack of sense of game flow is the reason why the Chargers missed the playoffs. And and and, and, and yeah, you just in that situation, you just gotta have a sense of game flow and do what the right thing is. And the right thing there is to kick the field goal. Absolutely. It absolutely is. You go 24-3, you get the ball back two in the second half. You know, you can go find a formulate a second half drive now and really put this game out of reach. But then again, you go to the locker room, you know, it's still, you know, you're up big still. You're up, you know, 21-3, but still, you know, again, as we mentioned, you just give you give the Bengals confidence. Yeah. Can every game situation different? I just, you know, that's where I just don't get why. The formulas and the numbers always tell you to do this and do that because every situation is different. And it just – and that, that's a great thing about sports. That's why, you know, the analytics just don't make sense too much in sport. And in this situation – in game in game situations, analytics don't make any sense. So, actually, you want to find guys analytically, fine. The game situations analytically just – again, it just I, – I think it's pointless. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. That's why, you know, in that situation, you really cannot be going off analytics, and it, it cost the Chiefs a trip to the Super Bowl. But we got to get to the second game on Sunday, and, and the Rams finally got over the hump over the 49ers, 20-17, uh, and the difference in this game was the quarterback, the quarterback. I mean, the Rams made the right move, going out and getting Matthew Stafford, improving that position, because Jared, there's no way Jared Goff makes that comeback. If they're down like that, uh, they're down 17-7 against that defense, against Jared Goff, 
there's no way the Rams win. Matthew Stafford was phenomenal in the fourth quarter. He proved why he's been a solid quarterback in this league. And, and for over a decade, he played in an absolutely incompetent, he played in an absolutely terrible organization, and that's why he couldn't win playoff games. He proved this year it was the Lions. It wasn't him. I'm not saying, you know, he's a great quarterback, but he is a borderline Hall of Fame quarterback who made a great comeback, who has put his team in a in, in a great position. And for the 49ers, the, 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 the most obvious thing is, the, 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 thing, the, the takeaway from this game is, and it's the most obvious takeaway, the Trey Lance here has begun. This is twice they've had a 10-point lead. And they've given it away. They were up 20 to 10 in the Super Bowl. They lost. They were up uh, in the fourth quarter. They were up 17-7 in the fourth quarter. They lost. And the reason for that is their quarterback has not been able to make a play in the fourth quarter. He's decent, but he's not good enough. It's so obvious that they're going to get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo and the Trey Lance era is going to begin for them. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, the Rams, you know, really come back there by Stafford. Um, you know, Garoppolo, I think part of the issue – Again, I think Shannon too got too conservative. Again, that third and short, McVay calls his final timeout there midfield, and then they end up punting the ball. Didn't they make the same mistake in the Super Bowl? They gave the ball back to Mahomes, and that was it. I know. They yeah, that fourth and two. That fourth and two. This is the NFL in 2022. I was thinking the same thing. The the Rams' offense has got momentum. They just scored a touchdown. I think you gotta you gotta go for it. It's a tough call. It's a tough call when you have yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo and you're a defensive team. It's a tough call there on fourth and two around the fifty yard line. But the way the game is played today, that's where. And just like the Chiefs should have kicked the field goal, I know it wasn't a huge mistake for the 49ers. Not, it's not anywhere near as big of a mistake that the Chiefs made not kicking the field goal. But I think in that spot, you got to go for it and try to win the game there. Yeah, absolutely. I think you do. I think because I think yeah, in this in this air where it's all it's you know offenses right now it just especially when you get the two minute warning it just it just seems like yeah. it's tough to stop you know you, you gotta go you gotta make you you know look if you give them the short field you know you give it to them you don't want them to drive down like they did and, and you know hit some big plays and kind of you know give them another shot you know in that spot like they did where they get going for it on or you know they should have gone for it for the inch i know they got got stuff with the run game but yeah you, you just new era it's not as big of a mistake as a Chiefs one, but I thought you got to go for it. Yeah, in this era, you can't give a, the, the other opposing quarterback a chance to win the game himself. You got to be able to try to take it. And I know your defense is playing well. They've been good all year, but you got to, you know, I know Jimmy G's not great, but I thought you got to trust them. Even just a one play there. Again, you got Debo Samuel. Try something unique with him. I, you know, do something. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was, you know, you know, to your point there. After that was absolutely the game changer, and uh, that just caught, cost the Niners once again of, of getting into the Super Bowl. Uh, you know the defense is great, but you know again, yeah, in the and the Rams too got down because they left points on the board early in that game. You know, Stafford threw the pick. You know, in the first um, there in the first quarter. You know, and, and then they missed a the field goal there. I think it was a fifty yarder there in the second quarter. That that was a huge part of it. But look, you know, Stafford this year. Really showed that, um, you know, it was a big year for Matthew Stafford, and he really proved to the NFL and to everybody that, you know, to your point, Steve, of he's a top, you know, he can, he can, you know, he's a very good quarterback, and he just needs to find the right team and the good organization that was gonna help him get there. Absolutely, and I think he proved it was the right decision when he on that final drive when he beat Tom Brady when he knocked Brady out and the and the, the Rams scored there. I think he had proved that already because you could say, oh. 
you know, we, we didn't get the even if they lost the 49ers, you could say, oh, we didn't get them to the Super Bowl. But here's the here's the thing with Jared Goff's, you know, quote unquote, quote unquote, Super Bowl run. One of those wins was against the Cowboys in the divisional round. Okay, mm. I mean, it's a little bit of a difference beating the beating Tom Brady than beating the Cowboys in the divisional round. Okay, and then you know, in the, in the <laughs> NFC game, I don't like to ever get on a referee for call for for you know deciding a game. But that was the one game in my lifetime that an official decided the game when he got to the Super Bowl. So yeah. I, if Stafford gets to the Super Bowl, I still think it's the right move. Oh, it's the it's not the same as them. It's not the same as as it's the right move. It's not like oh, even if they lose the Super Bowl, they should have stuck with Jared Goff just because they got to the Super Bowl. No, it definitely is the right move. And if Stafford plays well, it's even more the right move because Jared Goff is absolutely pathetic in that Super Bowl. So yes, I don't care if they win, win or lose the Super Bowl. It was absolutely the right move to uh to, to trade for Matthew Stafford because Jared Goff ain't winning that game against the Bucks, and he sure and he sure as heck is not winning that game against the Niners. No, no, absolutely not. You know, yeah, it, it, you know, it was a good move for the for the Rams. You know, they for, they mortgaged their whole future. You know, they they put it all on Matthew Stafford this year. He's kind of he's answered the bell. And after yeah, you you know that nine that I mean you know Rams run there. Yeah, they beat the Cowboys and then that yeah that pass interference call. But and that game was it was hideous. And yeah, you know, golf was horrible last year. Well, you know, yeah, Jared Goff is not beating Tom, Tam, you know Tom Brady and Tampa Bay down there in Tampa. There, there's no way he's there's no way he's making that drive with 40 seconds left to go with the fugal. There's no way, you know, there's no way he's carving up that defense like you know Matthew Stafford did. You know, yeah, you know, again, golf golf is he's okay, you know, he's nothing special. Again, that defense was just that you know, that that defense was phenomenal. They kept that Rams team in the in the Super Bowl, uh, because their offense just couldn't do anything against uh New England. But yeah, you know, Matthew Stafford shown that, you know. Yeah, you you hand them, you know, the keys. You give them, you know, you give them a good team around them. You give them a good kind of situation. He's going to do it, yeah. You know, it was definitely the right move. It was definitely, you know, yeah. But Jared Goff is not getting this team to this point. They would have probably – they would have lost Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, it, you know who knows? They may have lost Arizona in, in the first round. Um, so, yeah, I think it was a great move by the Rams to kind of go out there and get them. I know McVay's kind of – was wanting to get a new quarterback and it's paid off for him. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it shows you, you know, Buccaneers signed Tom Brady. You know, you, you, they, they won the Super Bowl. Rams uh, tr- trade for Matthew Stafford. They're on the verge of winning the Super Bowl. These teams that want to get, these teams that think they're, they're, they're close and want to get Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, do it because you see what's happening. You see what's happening. You see what happened to the Buccaneers last year and you see what happened to the Rams this year. You go big and you do it. Absolutely, I think you do. Again, it's a small window. Again, there's a and there's only a small kind of you know chance of having a quarterback like a Tom Brady, like a um Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. Like again, you know, there's a reason why every team doesn't have one. So like, if you have that opportunity, go get a top five, top ten quarterback, and it's kind of that missing piece of the puzzle. You got to do it. You know. You have to, because that's how in the 2021, 20, you know, 2022, it's offense. It's not the, you know, defense doesn't win any championships anymore. It's it's the offense. And without a top-of-the-line quarterback, again, you're not going to be able to win many Super Bowls unless you have, like, the 85 Bears defense. You know, it's really the only way you're going to win a Super Bowl now is, is what the top quarterback really is. Absolutely, 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 absolutely. So uh, yeah, so now we'll look at the 49ers side. And the most obvious thing is obviously they're going to get – the Trey Lance is going to be their starter next year. That's obvious. But for Jimmy Garoppolo, what's next for him? 
I'm thinking. I, I look. I looked at. You know. I looked at uh, five teams for him. The buck. The Bucks. The the uh, the the, Bron- the Broncos. The Steelers. Washington. The Texans. I think the Steelers and the Broncos are going to be in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. They're going to go really really hard in the Aaron Rodgers or the Russell Wilson sweepstakes. The uh, the Bucks. I think they could be in those sweepstakes, but I don't think the Buccaneers are going to trade. I don't think the Packers are going to trade Aaron Rodgers within the conference. I think these. I think Rodgers is going to get traded to an AFC team. That's why I think, as we said earlier, the Bucks are the most likely destination. Also, Washington and the Texans could definitely be a, a, a destination too. I think the I think the top two destinations right now are are going to be uh, the Bucks. I think the top two destinations right now are the Bucks and Washington because both those teams need a quarterback. They're both, you know. It, they're both not, you know, they both probably wouldn't be Super Bowl contenders with Jimmy Jimmy G, but it would still make them team. They, they would still have, they'd still be credible teams if they had Jimmy G as their quarterback. The Bucks will obviously be better than Washington, but I think the top two landing spots for Garoppolo right now are the Buccaneers and the and the Washington Commanders. Yeah, the Commanders. Yeah, Jimmy, you know, got used to that. Um, but yeah, Jimmy G. Yeah, Jimmy Tree again. I know we talk about Tampa Bay going there. I think it'll be a good fit. They still should win that division. Washington. You know, as well, I lay in a division too, where again, second place is kind of wide open in a division where you could steal some games, you can kind of steal a spot there to get the wild card. I, I think it'd be a really nice spot there for Jimmy G to, to go to Washington. Uh, they, again, they just I don't think kind of keeps that guy, but Patrick's a free agent, I don't think he's going back to Washington. I, I, you know, they really they've been trying to miss in that franchise guy, and they've kind of have been. You know, around 500, they've gotten, they found ways to get the playoffs without, you know, like a franchise type quarterback guy. So, bringing Jimmy Garoppolo, again, I think it's only going to help their situation there. Denver, yeah, I could see him going to Denver as well. Uh, I, I do think, yeah, the Aaron Rodgers, Suite, I think they go all in there with Aaron Rodgers. Um, what a division that will be. Yeah, Pam Herbert Mahomes. Oh yeah, so, yeah oh, that, oh yeah, yeah. That that'd be a crazy division. If he goes to Denver, that'd be a crazy yeah. division. And even if he say he goes, say Rodgers goes to the Steelers, that'd be a crazy division too. Burrow, Rod, Rodgers, yeah. and uh, Lamar, and then you got Cleveland's roster too. That would be that would be <laughs> yeah. a crazy division as well. Yeah, that that North division too. I didn't even think about them. Yeah, Rodgers goes there. Yeah, that West division. Um, just again, the offensive explosion that is going to be. In those two divisions, or could possibly if Rodgers goes with one of those two teams, it would be uh, insane. But yeah, going to Denver again, yeah, if, that, if their plans kind of fall short and they can't get Rodgers for whatever reason, I think Jimmy G is a good backup plan there. Go to Denver again, he's not going to be able to outscore Mahomes or Justin Herbert, but I think with their defense, he'll, they'll keep him in games. Uh, number four, the Texans, yeah, you know, who knows what the. Um, Deshaun Watson kind of situation is here. Again, um, Davis played well this year, but I don't know if he's going to, you know, I don't think he's a franchise quarterback guy. He played well at times. Again, we'll see what the new coach wants there. Um, But I guess it would not be a bad situation. I know Jimmy G wants to go to a winning, you know, situation that obviously wouldn't be. Um, But I, I think it's very possible, again, depending on what happens with Deshaun Watson here. And then with the Steelers, I think, you know, Another good one. Um, they have some weapons around them. Again, that offensive line's got to get fixed up a bit. Again, you know, as you mentioned, that division to be very difficult. Probably not gonna be out out dual, you know, with Joe Burrow or maybe even a Lamar Jackson. Um, but I think they do have a talent enough. Again, I don't think you know if if they're really starting Mason Rudolph over you know over 
um, Dwayne Haskins again. I I don't think that I figured maybe Tomlin was going to kind of maybe figure something out with Haskins, but it doesn't seem like they did. So I, I think Jimmy G is a good option there uh, in Pittsburgh if he, if he falls there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So uh, so we'll see what happens with Jimmy G. But we got to get to my team's coaching hire. And on Monday, Brian Dayball had his uh, had his press conference with the Giants. He was introduced as the 20th head coach of the New York Giants. And uh, I got five takeaways from the, from the press conference. First, it looks like he's going to go with Daniel Jones. It looks like, you know, they're going to design an offense to fit Daniel Jones' still skill set. This is, this is the year for Daniel Jones. If he doesn't get it done this year, he's obviously going to be gone. But it feels like publicly, we don't know for sure, but it feels like publicly Dayball is going to go with Daniel Jones this year. Second, he's making no promises, which I like. I, I, I like people that under-promise and over-perform. It looks like this could be one of these coaches that does that. He's not someone who's going to come out like – I think Rex Ryan was a decent coach, but come out like Rex Ryan and say, oh, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do this, we're going to do that. He's not – or when we went to the – when Rex was in his Bills press conference, he said, oh, we're going to the playoffs, I guarantee. He's not making any guarantees. He knows there's a lot of work to do. He knows he's going to start from scratch. He knows this organization has been terrible – for almost a decade, he knows what he's deal. I feel like he. I feel like I, I've seen this. I've seen it three times before with uh, McAdoo, Shermer, and uh, and Judge. I, I think he feels like he knows what he what 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 he what he's up against. And I feel like it's he's 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 willing to grind. He's willing to try to get this team to where it needs to needs to be. My other takeaway is Patrick Graham is probably because it looks like Harbaugh. There's a good chance Harbaugh. We'll get to that. Is Harbaugh's going to get the job in Minnesota? Uh, it looks like Patrick Graham's going to be back as defensive coordinator, which that's the one coach on the staff. I don't mind being on the staff because the defense wasn't – it wasn't as good as it was the year before, but it wasn't terrible this year. So I don't mind Patrick Graham being on that staff, uh, be, being on the staff of the defensive coordinator. They work together in New England, so I don't mind that. Uh, fourth, he knows the pressure of, uh, of, of, the, of the New York. I feel like he knows the pressure of the market. He was joking around with the reporters a little bit there, but he knows the pressure of the market of, of, of coaching New York. And then, then last, he's gonna. Be, I feels. I feels like he's gonna be himself. He's not gonna be like Bill Belichick or Nick Saban. We know that the problem the last time was, uh, you know, Joe Judge was trying to emulate Belichick and Saban. So he's gonna be himself. I feel like he, you know, he's he's, he's gonna be who he is uh, w- 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 with the uh, uh, with with the team. He's gonna be himself. So, you know, we've seen this before as Giant fans, coaches, you know, coming in and out. Uh, but we'll see if this one works. It is a little bit of a guessing game because, yeah, they hire Brian Flores. We kind of know he's a good coach. Dayball, he was a really good offensive coordinator in Buffalo, but we don't know how he's going to be as a head coach. But from what I've seen from the press conference, I am confident with him going forward. Yeah, I thought, you know, I think Brian Dayball is, is going to be a good hire. Again, I know time will tell. Um, but I think, you know, again, I think we kind of, when they hired Joe Shine, I think they, Shane, um, they kind of knew where they were going here with the coaching decision. But, yeah, you know, I like how, you know, again, they kind of talk about Daniel Jones, you know, wanting to use him and trying to – because I, I think part of it is, you know, he because, again, as he mentioned, was like they want to find a skill set that fits them. And I think it's like the same thing with the, you go back to like Sam Darnold and the Jets. He didn't get any help. And I know Darnold didn't help his case in Carolina, but Daniel Jones really had not – they tried to help build the team around him offensively. It didn't really pan out this year, but you know, like I, I like how they're going to try to fit to what's best for Daniel Jones and not try to force, you know, guys kind of on, you know, try to build the team around them. 
it just didn't seem like it fit. Because I think the coaching staff before, you know, last couple of years have kind of failed them. And I, I think Brian Dable is going to help them find that skill set. And again, if it doesn't work next season, it doesn't work and they go to a different direction. Um, if it works, again, hey, great. You know, um, I know we kind of got into that last week about, you know, Daniel Jones and, and you know, what his ceiling could be or what, you know, expectations of his ceiling, you know, could be. But um, I, I do like him. That was a good hire for the New York Giants. Because, yeah, you know, he seemed, yeah, as you mentioned, he seemed real. Joe Judge was kind of, yeah, he tried to be Bill and, and save, and it just does not work. It, again, in that, you know, you got to be yourself in this job. You know, yeah, you know, he's loose in the interview, or, I mean, in the press conference. It, again, he seems like a, a hard worker. Again, the development that he did with Josh Allen and that Bill's offense. Again, it's he's the one guy that, Bill Belichick did not was not able to figure out quarterback wise, you know that that's something I think you had to you know take account to is, you know Bill really could not figure out how to stop him, and um, you know, so you know for what he did there, but um uh, with the Bills, so I, I think it was a good hire again, and he's a guy too that I think it you know that he he's been a assistant coach on both sides of the ball defensively and offensively, which is really rare. And I think that's a really good testament of kind of knowing, you know, the positions kind of, you know, knowing ins and outs of, of kind of being on both sides of the ball and how different coaches teach different things offensively and defensively and different. So I think it could be a big plus that he's been a guy that has coached defense as well and kind of knows it very well instead of that like one niche that he really kind of works on. You know, where, you know, we kind of think offensively, but it seems like he could, you know, coach defense as well. So I think that's another uh, really good thing here for the Giants. But um, I, I think it's a good high for the Giants. And again, it, they're, they're due for a good high. They, they are due for a, a good coach here. Absolutely. 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 And the thing is, is we'll see what happens. We'll, we'll see what I see how, you know, with the Giants was a tough game. We'll see how Dayball responds, and and can he get those those guys to trust him that he's that he's taking this team in the right direction? So we'll see what happens there. But we'll go to go to some more coaching hires. Josh McDaniels finally gets another coaching job at the Raiders. I think you know he's learned he learned from his first opportunity. We'll see what happens here. But I feel I have a feeling that you know the reason he went there is because he wants to work with Derek Carr. So we'll see what ends up happening there. Yeah, interesting one, Raiders. Yeah, you know, again, I guess. You know, after the first situation with Denver and then with the fall with the Colts there, it was interesting uh, that he got this one. I did read, yeah, because it sounded like the Patriots last offseason or two offseasons ago did try to make a trade for Derek Carr. It's, so it sounds like Josh McDaniels does like Derek Carr, you know, which I think is a good sign because I think the Raiders should want to keep Derek Carr. Um, you know, we'll see. Again, I, I hope it works out for McDaniels and the Raiders and he kind of get them to compete in the AFC West, a very difficult AFC West. It's not going to be a, you know, uphill battle here, but I think it's a, you know, time will tell. So I'm not sold on the higher year with the Raiders, but you know, he's a great offensive mind. He, I think he'll do good things with Derek Hart, but yeah, time will tell to see if he can get the Raiders kind of back up and going again. Yeah. We'll see what happens there. And uh, lastly, Jim Harbaugh uh, having a second interview today with the Raiders. He, but the Vikings are eyeing on him potentially being the head coach. And I'm telling you, I think the Vikings should do it. I think the Vikings should do it. And I think Harbaugh should, should get another shot at the NFL. I think, you know, last year was kind of his best shot at Michigan. I think he has Ohio State's attention now that he finally beat him. You saw that semifinal game. It's hard. Recruit, I think Harbaugh is a little bit more suited for the NFL 
because I just don't think he is the greatest recruiter. You saw it at Michigan. He lost so many times to Ohio State, eventually beat him, but you saw in a big game when he got Michigan in the semifinal game, they weren't really they were they, they, they weren't competitive. So I think Harbaugh should take this opportunity and say Aaron Rodgers gets traded. I think if Harbaugh is the coach and Rodgers gets traded, there's a great chance that Minnesota's gonna be hosting a playoff game next year because I think they win the NFC North. Yeah, I could I could absolutely see it. You know, uh, that division's gonna be wide open. Yeah, yeah, because Harbaugh's won wherever he's gone. You know, that Niners, you know, what he did there after the six to ten year, again got him the Super Bowl. Uh you know, was did a remarkable job with the Niners. So yeah, he, you know, again, what he built at Stanford too, like that, that's one of the toughest jobs with the academic, you know, standards that go on up there. And again, to make that program, you know, one of the best in the Pac-12, make them a contender was remarkable and yeah with Michigan this year finally and I was reading something a few weeks ago but or you know right when he kind of took here when rumors started he was going to take an NFL job again he kind of said that he just wanted to get Michigan a Big Ten title he wanted to beat Ohio State he just wanted to get to the playoffs he just wanted to leave in a better spot than he did and this is the perfect opportunity now to take off and run the interesting is today signing day college football so I don't know where Michigan would go if he does leave and it sounds like he's told kind of told recruits that he is probably going to take the another job if if one comes to him, um, but yes, yeah, it seems like this is going to be the one. He's got a relationship, sounds like, with the new GM there, who's back on the back to time with the Niners. So I think it'd be a good one for Jim Harbaugh. They should be right there, competing in the NFC North. You know, especially riding leaves. Absolutely, absolutely. So we'll wrap up talking about the Washington football team. They changed their name to the Commanders. I felt like the name change was was uh, was necessary. They really couldn't be sticking with Redskins. And I felt like the team needed a name. I, I, Washington football team, I don't think that could have really lasted for a long time. So I like the fact they changed their name to the Commanders, and I, and it'll be, and, and I, I like the name change. Yeah, I like it. It goes back to the D.C. kind of roots, military. It sounds like you know, Jason Wright, uh, Dylan you know, and, you know, Ron Rivera has some military ties, so I kind of like it, you know, so I do think it's a good one. Their uniforms look like Arizona State's uniforms, though. Like, they, they kind of the scheme, yeah, I, I kind of looked at them from a distance. They looked like, you know, the Sun Devils ones. But, um, I like yeah, because I, I did not like the Washington football team because it, it sounded like a European soccer team. Like, isn't that all their, like, Manchester United, like, soccer? I just thought it was dumb. Um, it sounded like, a, yeah, like a – like a soccer team. I, I do like it. I do like the names. They had to change it. So uh, I do think it's a good one. Hopefully maybe this name change will uh, turn around the entire franchise. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. And and <laughs> did it really take them two years yeah. to go with the commanders? I know. I know. They probably could have, right after they dropped the Redskins, the, the Redskins, they probably could have, you know, came up with the commanders. But yeah. we get, oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, you know, UConn lost a tough game last night. And we got the biggest rivalry in college basketball this weekend. Before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Do you have a 401k and some savings for future retirement, but don't even know if it's enough to live off of? How much is enough? How often are you thinking about it? The team at JPEX Financial Group can help set your mind at ease. We specialize in creating strategies in the planning and managing of your financial, educational, and investment needs. We help clients pursue their investment goals with sound financial strategies. You deserve a personal, tailored plan. Lasting, meaningful, and open relationships are the foundation of our practice. You've worked hard for your money and should feel confident in your investment choices as you make decisions for your financial future. Your goals are our goals. We are dedicated to your needs and hopes for your future. Visit our website and give us a call at 860 860- 
430-5397. Securities offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. JPEX Financial Group, LLC is not a registered broker-dealer and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. JPEX Financial Group is located at 78 Eastern Boulevard, Glastonbury, Connecticut. So a tough loss for UConn last night. A loss I don't think we expected. They, they as their five game winning streak got snapped. They lost to Creighton fifty nine to fifty five. And this is what happens when your three best players have bad games. Um, Sanago didn't have a good game. Cole didn't have a good game, and Martin didn't have a good game. Thank God for Whaley. Whaley kept him in the game. He had twenty points last night, but just a, a, a bad. I think a bad loss. But they're definitely their worst loss of the season to a very young Creighton team. I mean. Hawkins, Ryan Hawkins, was, I think his name is Ryan Hawkins. He had uh, yep. 20, uh, over 20 points. He had uh, 23 points last night. Uh, they were only they're pretty much, I think he's their, uh, one of their few experienced players. Yet Creighton's a very young team, lost a lot of guys from last year. So a disappointing loss. I'm not going to, you know, go crazy about it because, you know, it's, it's one of them. But, you know, but the problem is for UConn, you know, coming up, coming up at six of their next seven games are against teams in the tournament. They obviously they got the game at Villanova. They host Marquette next Tuesday. And then they got a three game week because they play uh they play at uh at Xavier mm-hmm. they got Xavier twice they got at St John's the only game against the team is not in the tournament is at St John's and they and they only beat them, and they had to go to overtime to beat them the last time Seton Hall and then Nova again so really tough stretch for the Huskies I know they won five in a row but all five of those wins are against teams that are not in the tournament they finally face a team that's barely that's like it was one of Lenardi's first four outs a team that's right on the fringe of making the NCAA tournament they lost so. Justin, is there concern for this UConn team going forward? 15 and 5, 6 and 3 in the Big East. Is there concern for this UConn team going forward? Yeah, I'm concerned. You, you go back. So go back to Saturday. RJ Cole saved you. You were horrible then. You missed a ton of free throws. Then you beat, okay, so you beat Georgetown last Wednesday or last Tuesday. Again, that again that Georgetown, I, again, they're bad. They, you know, horrible. Go back to the Butler game, you know, at Hinkle Fieldhouse two weeks ago. Martin saved you in the second half. Horrible first half. They couldn't score. Martin was the only one that could score in the second half. You go back to Butler the, the game before against them. They couldn't really pull away from Butler either, scoring-wise. Teams have figured out Hurley's kind of the, – this team, actually. Pack the paint. Let him shoot. Let Willie shoot from behind the arc. Every time Adamus Sonogo catches in the paint, go double him. Go make somebody else beat you. Sinago cannot pass out of the paint. You know, Cole, you know, then, then they just have Cole, Martin, uh, you know, Sinago, they're just too inconsistent. You know, they, and guys off the bench right now, Jordan Hawkins, who I think is going to be a lottery pick, he's broken. He's got such a great shot, too. I don't know, I, you know, I, I hope he, I don't know what's going on, but I, I hope he fixes fixes whatever's going on right now. Um. You know, again, that's problematic. Again, Gabney just—I don't—he—he just—he looks like a shell of himself. He's just—he looks slower defensively. Again, his handling hasn't been great. Decision making—he's too—he looks like he's too scared to make a mistake. A cook, a cook. You know, he's just offensively, he's not great. Defensively, he just—he's not strong. Offensively, a cook is terrible. Let's 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 be honest. A cook is terrible offensively. Yeah. Again, he's got that quarter three. It's once in a blue moon, but he's just not strong enough to play in the paint. And, you know, that's kind of his big problem. And, again, you know, McDermott absolutely outcoaches him, I think, for, what, the fourth time? Because he outcoached him three times last year. Outcoached him again last night because he makes adjustments. He for, again, Ryan Colbrenner, their only big guy gets hurt, and you stop driving. 
I just you. I know you couldn't finish the lift, but go try to draw a foul. I, it just again the the stuff that just goes on. It just again their offense is just horrible. And I again, it's not getting fixed against Nova. Again, Marquette is good. Again, they're lucky the first time Daryl Marcel did not play. He's a great defender. He's gonna lock up. You know, probably R.J. Cole. And again, I, you know, Xavier on the road is not gonna be easy. That is a the Sintas Center is a difficult place to go to. I can't see them winning there. And again, I just when they played the competent teams of the Big East, they've struggled. Again, seeing Hall doesn't even look that good anymore. I know Bryce Atkins been out, but again, that's an inexcusable loss now. And and this is where I'm getting on Hurley. The last two years in in games that are decided by five points or less, Dan Hurley is one seven. He was twenty four and thirty one at Rhode Island, and one and Ed Cooley this year is eight and zero. It's again. Providence is Providence does not have talent. They they have talent, but again, they shouldn't be ninety-one in the Big East. Again, I think you had to have more talent than Providence, but they got a better coach. Yeah, exactly. I, I put exactly, Lonson yeah. Hurley. Oh yeah, I, yeah. Recruiting and and you know not making not making adjustments and his last two games under fifty points, not against great teams either. I mean Creighton and DePaul. Scoring under 50 points. I'm telling you, I know the Big East is not as strong as you know the Big Ten or, or the uh, or the or the uh, or the or the SEC or the Big 12. But scoring under 50 points is not be, is not is not beating is not beating Villanova. There, there, there's no way you're beating Villanova scoring under 50 scoring under 50 points. Oh, absolutely. No, not. I mean under, yeah, under 60. Under 60. Yeah, yeah. Under 60. Yeah. Yeah. Under 60. Yeah. You got no shot. And, and look, Villanova is not the team that's going to get up and down. Like they they want to play in the 60s. You know, they, they score like 72 a game. Nova, you now this, this, you know, again, the way they're playing, Nova, Nova loves this because, they, again, uh, because UConn does not, for whatever reason, they don't try to run. You know, yeah, you're not, again, the Paul is missing the one player that deserves to be in the Big East on that team at Javante Freeman Liberty. And you still struggle to beat them. Crane, Ryan Hawkins, again, he's been great and he's been, you know, since he's gotten going. But he's a guy that's been playing D D two basketball the last three years. You know, like this guy's a D two transfer. He's coming in here and can he owned all of them. He scored after points. I again, you know, Nibraham looks like a really good point guard. He's gonna be talented. His brother's um Andrew Nimhard, the Gonzaga point guard. Again, he you know, the, this Korean team's gotten a lot better since you know when they were playing November and they struggled to beat a lot of pretty bad teams. Um, but yeah, again, it's 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 yeah, you I just I've never seen a team miss so many layups. I just don't get it. I don't know missed how you miss so many layups. Missed, missed a lot of free throws last night, too. Yep. Yeah, Cole missed two big ones. He's 90% at the line. Um, again, Nova's, you know, again, the way they play, especially the way they've come out and played, for Dan Hurley, for us, fiery as a guy he is, his team the last few games has not come out motivated at all. Besides no, no, the not at all. Game, I, I don't know. I, I'm really kind of shaking my head and kind of again. I don't. I'm not sitting here saying fire Hurley or anything like that. But again, I, I really do have a big problem with the way some some of these games these coaches lost. Is their offense yeah, again doesn't work? No, no, no. And and the thing is, is you know, as we go, we now shift over to the Villanova game. Sonago is the advantage UConn has. UConn Villanova doesn't have a great inside game. But uh, Sanago is the advantage. Is the is, is the guy is the is the advantage they have against Phil. That's that's kind of like they, UConn does have an inside game. Villanova doesn't. But the thing is, Villanova has guys you can rely on that can shoot the ball. Gillespie and more you can rely on. 
you know, Cole is good and Martin are good, but they need, you know, they need Sanago to be a factor for them, for them to have good games. And you saw, and you saw, and you saw that, you know, last night, I mean, if, if you know, Nova's going to double Sanago, force Cole and Martin to beat him. And if UConn doesn't make shots, there is no way they beat Villanova. No, no way at all. If they don't hit three, if they don't hit, if they don't hit their shots and they beat Villanova. Oh yeah. They got no chance at all. Uh, they, they, they don't, they, you know, because that again inside game, but I think but Jay Wright's a good coach. He's gonna pack the paint. He's gonna double Sonago, and he's gonna make someone else beat him. And again, I don't know that you know. Again, maybe Cole or Martin has one of those days, or Whaley again could could kind of carry this team. But I just I don't I don't see it. I think Villanova's got enough athleticism to be able to kind of stop them. Uh, yeah, you know Eric Dixon, their big guys, kind of developed and he's played well this year. But he's six eight. Again, he's Big body, but Tanaga's got a couple inches on him. Um, they they should be able to win this game. Or no, I mean they're, they're you know like if Tanaga can kind of go off and somehow you know again he's just I just don't know. Again he's just I, I've just never seen a one basketball player not be able to pass. It's just yeah. he just doesn't. I, I don't know for whatever reason he can't pass. Um, but like you know. If they don't hit their shots, they got no chance. Again, they need something off the bench. Like they need a Jordan Hawkins. I don't know, you know, he's just rushing. I don't, or you know, a Tyler Pauly. shots. Or, yeah, or Tyler Pauly to come off the bench and step up. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, Polly, I cannot figure out. Polly either goes 0 for 9 or 10 for 10. Like, you know, and again, usually it's that first shot that kind of tells you, but I can't, I can't trust Polly. Again, I'm I keep waiting for that 20 point outburst like he had against Marquette, but I don't think that's coming. But, yeah, he's got to play better. It's like sometimes, too, some games he'll go attack the glass and he'll go get a foul. Or some games he'll just set the perimeter and just kind of wait around. I just, you know, they need him to be more aggressive when he when he's, when he's his shot's not falling. Um, it, it's stuff like that. But, yeah, you know, like, again, Nova's offense is nothing special. Like, I think they could, if they could, you know, slow down. Because Nova's offense, it, it's iso ball. It's all one-on-one because it's a lot of dribbling. And, uh, you know, and I like Jackson on on uh, Gillespie because he's a really good defender. Now, Gillespie, because he's a fifth-year senior, too, if he gets in that paint, he'll throw the elbows and he gets away with it every single time. So you cannot let him get position down there. But, again, like, just don't get fooled for back cuts. Don't get fooled backdoor. Again, Nova kind of plays aggressively defensively, too. Like, again, they don't try backdoors. They don't try back cutting. Or they, they, they do. It seems like they're going half speed. So there, there's kind of a lot of things wrong. Again, they I think they have the talent they can put together to win, but the way they've been playing, I don't think they will though. I don't think so. I think they're gonna double Sanago. I think they're gonna struggle to shoot the ball. I think Nova wins this game by double digits. I really do. I think UConn stays in this funk, and I think I, I think Nova wins it by double digits. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think they do too. I again I just I don't really have confidence. Again, I think they can slow down Gillespie, but as long as Justin Moore and um they got Jeremiah Samuels out there. I, I think they they step up and do enough. Again, they don't have much of a bench either. It's kind of their starters are kind of, you know, their point score. So, again, I could see them hanging in there just because Nova's going to play it slow. But, yeah, I can't see them knocking down shots. And Nova can. And, you know, they got a tough one tonight going to Marquette. But, you know, uh, Nova does. But, yeah, I, I think I see Nova coming out here and, and being up Saturday. I, I can't see the way UConn's playing. Again, I hope they come out guns blazing, but I, I I don't feel really confident in that right now. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. 
So we got a couple big games on Saturday in college basketball. First, we got uh, we got the defending national championships champions Baylor going to Kansas, and I think Kansas win this game, wins this game. Baylor really hasn't impressed me that much. I mean, they won on on Monday night, but they really haven't impressed me. They lost at Alabama, and uh, they they a uh, lot they, they they beat West Virginia, but they beat them, they beat them a lot of points. They gave up eighty seven to Alabama. They got some Alabama's got some really good guards as we saw last night. Even though they got crushed, they're probably the best team in the country. One of the best teams in the country. Uh, you saw with West Virginia, they gave up 77. Uh, Sherman, uh, Tennis Sherman had a great game. So I don't trust Baylor's defense that much, and I don't think they hit really have that one guy that's going to really dominate the game. They don't have that, you know, Jared Butler, that Davion Mitchell they had last year. I think they're good. They're not as good as last year. And I think Kansas wins this game against Baylor. Yeah, um, I – Right now, I'm gonna. I got the uh, Baylor Bears on the road again if they're healthy. Both teams coming mm. with some questionable injury. You know, LJ Cry didn't play Monday night, and James Akinjo. Like Baylor's just, uh, they've kind of been hit by the injury bug. They've kind of had guys playing hurt, and I think it's affected them. Uh, but Akinjo's been playing with a pre-bat back. LJ Cryer was out. He's averaging 14 a game. Don't know if he's gonna play Saturday. I believe he's still questionable. Uh, but like the thing about Kansas is though. I, their defense is horrible. And you saw what Kentucky did. Kentucky's got athletes. Kansas does not have the horses to run with Kentucky. And I, I think Baylor exposes that. I think Baylor exposes the way Kansas defense. Again, Kansas was playing a diamond in two. And, they, and Kentucky was, you know, like, wow. Bill Self had no answers. And I, I think Baylor's going to be able to expose kind of the same type of stuff Kentucky was. You know, I think James Akinjo is a great distributor, and he gets, he's a very good scorer too. Matthew Meyer, he's a guy that could score 20 a game, but usually he's not called on to do that because they have enough scores. And I could see him having a big night. And OG, um, Ojabari was in COVID protocols last night. He missed the game. I, it sounds like, he, you know, they're hoping to play Saturday. They're optimistic he will, but it's not 100%. If they miss a guy like him against the Baylor team, I think you're going to really struggle. Um, and, and Remy Martin, who has played well for him, is going to be out for an extended period of time here. So they're going to need David McCormick down low where they kind of, you know, over, um, you know, Tommy Chabawa, the Baylor big guy. But, hey, again, uh, you know, I, I like Baylor. I think Baylor's a better team. I, I think Kansas is somewhat fraudulent like they usually are. Um, you know, I, I don't think they're that, you know, they, they – Think there's still some fraudulent in, in that team, you know, um, and I think Baylor exposes that on a Saturday evening. Yeah, and I think I think one thing that was proven last week too uh, uh, was that the SC, we know I think we know the Big Ten is clearly the best conference. You agree the Big Ten is clearly the best conference in college basketball, but I think last yeah, week with much. like with Ken, well, well yeah, exactly, exactly. But but yeah, I think last week well, I think the, the SEC proved they're the second best conference in college basketball. With Kentucky beating Kansas the way they did, and and uh, and with Alabama beating Baylor, yeah, you know, and, and I think it, it, it. And again, I think it's a testament to the SEC really started to put money back into their basketball programs. You're really seeing that again. Bruce Pearl is making more than Brian Harson, the football coach. When do you ever think you see a school like Auburn pay more in a basketball coach than their football coach? You know, like I think that's remarkable what they're doing there. So yeah, you know, you, you're kind of seeing Alabama's you know with Nate Oates. You know, obviously Kentucky, LSU, Will Wade, again, he's not the most, uh, you know, trustworthy guy out there. But, again, he's made LSU pretty good at basketball once again. So, yeah, the SEC, man, they've made a great investment in the basketball. Yeah, I, I think, you know, again, they have a lot of talent. Like, I think in the Big 12, I think you got one national championship contender, that's Baylor. You know, I Texas Tech had put 
kind of more towards the back there with the Kansas I, and the back I, 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 still, I still have KU there, though, in the Big 12. I, I know. I know I, you don't I, like I, them, but I, I still can't. have KU there. I think this is not – I again, I, I think Bill, Bell, Bill Seltz had better Kansas teams than this. I, I think Ojabari could lead them to the national championship, but I'm not really sold on this Kansas team right now. I, you know, I'd put them back there with Texas Tech, you know, kind of that second tier. But, yeah, I think SEC, like Auburn, again, Alabama could win it, but they're just so reliant on the three-point ball that I can't see them yeah. getting hot for six straight days. But if they could, they could win it. You know, um, again, LSU, if they kind of get healthy, they can't score. But, again, defensively, they're, they're really, really good on that side of the ball. Um but yeah, like I think the you know SEC, they got a lot of really good teams that are upper echelon of teams there, and they're really beating each other up. And obviously Kentucky, again, Cal Perry, I, I'm a big fan of them. But again, when they're good, when they're on, and when they can hit shots, it's really tough to beat them. So yeah, I, I think the SEC right now, again, it's a gauntlet, that top kind of tier of it. But um, yeah, I got to go SEC too, big big 12-3, even though they they could really get fouled like. Oklahoma State's not eligible, but they could really actually Kansas State probably took themselves out of it. But again, Big 12 could get eight teams in the, in the tournament once again. We'll see what happens there. But we got to get to the big game, and it's the big game every year. They play twice. Duke has the Chapel Hill to play North Carolina. Coach Hayes final trip back to Chapel Hill. I am going with Duke. They're the better team, clearly. But I do think North Carolina gives them a game. They're hot. They've won four in a row. But I think Duke is clearly the better team. That's why I think they win on Saturday night in Chapel Hill. Yeah, I got Duke very cautiously because North Carolina has been a totally different team at home than on the road. Uh, you know, for whatever reason, they just they have not been able on the road to win. Um, I, I think for Carolina, they want to win this game. It's Caleb Love. He loves. He played two really good games last year. Duke. He has career at 25 points against them last year. He's got to be on. And if he can, if he can knock down shots consistently, North Carolina's got a very good shot to win this game. If not, I think they're in a struggle, even though. Um, Mario Baycott has been an absolute beast down low, probably one of the best rebounders in the entire country. Um, and you know, I, I could, you know, he's gonna have to be on Mark Williams, have a tough assignment down there. It, you know, the problem with Duke is they have one really consistent three point shooting, and that's Adrian Griffin. Again, Joy Baker at times can hit shots, but not consistently. Ben True is not a great three point shooter. You know, Keels really isn't either, and he was not good on Monday night. I know he's still banged up, but you know. Again, if Duke can't knock down shots, I think they're in some trouble here. But um, I, I do think talent-wise, they are better than North Carolina. I'm not a big fan so far of Hubert Davis. Tarla fans are not either. Um, he's not in a good, uh, you know, kind of start here. So I got to go Duke kind of, you know, close here on the road. But wouldn't it shock me to see Carolina um, pull up the upset here against, um, against the Blue Devils? And you talked about, yeah, the lack of three-point shooting. Even even the game the other night, they weren't scoring that many points against Notre Dame, but I just think they they clearly played a better team. And the ACC is just – it's second year in a row. What's wrong, what's wrong with you? What's, what's up with the ACC? It's been bad. Oh, it's this, this, it's they're worse than the Big East. It, it, they're worse than the Big bad. East right now. They're worse than the Big East. Well, maybe oh, not oh, 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 but they don't have, they don't have like I don't think they have I mean they have Duke but outside of that they don't have That's you it. know UCLA and Arizona are two top teams but outside of Duke I know Miami's played well but the ACC is not good at all this year oh it's not a again UConn blessing disguise they did not get that uh they did not get that invitation because they'd be what Syracuse and Pitt and and kind of mediocre type right now because again I just know it's over another day but yeah it, I, I I do love that the ACC struggling like this so again 
I, I hope all those old Big East teams that left go rot. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, like I hope they all turn into Boston College. That's kind of my hope is. And, again, it's, it's going pretty well right now. It is bad at least. Yeah. It is horrible. Yeah, that league is not good at all. Not good at all. But we got some NBA news. We got John Morant heading to the Garden. We got the Knicks and Lakers going at it on Saturday night. But before we talk about that, we got a promo from Clovercrest Media. Apps can do a lot of cool things. You could order dinner, gamble on your favorite team, and track your health. You could even get a mortgage. One click and you can be approved. I'm not sure by who or what country they're in. You deserve more from the mortgage industry. At AnyMac Home Mortgage, we believe in the need for live, human interaction during a very complex process. The kind of service and guidance which an app simply can't provide. Our customers are more than credit scores and income documents. They're individuals and families who live in and strengthen our communities. Their story is our story, and that story begins in a home. Chris Sawyer is an expert on providing superior customer service and in meeting the mortgage needs of current and future home buyers. With over 18 years of experience in the industry, Chris is able to help customers migrate through the home buying and home financing process by using his wealth of knowledge as a well-qualified mortgage professional. And best of all, Chris is located in Cromwell, Connecticut, where he has helped hundreds of clients in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island make their dreams of home ownership a reality. Visit chrissawyer.annie-mac.com. Email him at csawyer at annie-mac.com or give him a call. 860-878-8730. Chris Sawyer, NMLS number 39345. Corporate NMLS number 338923. Mac Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. American Neighborhood Mortgage Acceptance Company, LLC. DBA Mac Home Mortgage. Lo-Fi Direct. Connecticut First Mortgage Correspondent. License Lender Broker Number, ML 338923. Massachusetts Mortgage Lender and Mortgage Broker License Number, MC 338923. Rhode Island License Lender. License Number 2011281080. Call for additional details. So uh, in the NBA, we got John Morant taking his talents to the Garden tonight, and this is exciting. It's going to be exciting to see, you know, John Morant play at the play at the Garden against the Knicks. Uh, the, I mean, I mean, he's he's John Morant's just been phenomenal. He's proved this year that uh, why he's a top ten player. He proved his three point shooting. He's you know, he can get to the basket. He's really just so difficult to defend. Clearly proven why he's the top guy in that draft class with Zion Williams and RJ Barrett and the Knicks. They were one pick away. From not from getting that number two pick, and if they got that number two pick, and they got John Morant, things would be totally different with them. Yes, it would. Yeah, it would. It would be a uh, you know a lot different with them. Um, yeah, because I again, I, yeah, because obviously the Knicks were going to go get him, um, and you know, because that's kind of without their growth, it's kind of what the Knicks have been missing. Again, he's been a star. I don't get all the most improved player hype for John Morant. He's been a good player the first two years. I'm like, I don't know how you go most improved player. Um, I've been seeing him get like, you know, being like the favorite, which I don't really get. Uh, but yeah, he, again, he makes everybody else around him. Desmond Bain's been unbelievable this year. You know, Jared Jackson's played well. Uh, you know, Dylan, Dylan Brooks, when he's been healthy, he's been unbelievable. He just makes everybody else around him. And yeah, he's been a top player. And again, going to garden, it seems like everybody else elevates their game when, when they step foot in that building. So I, I expect another monster performance from, uh, John Morant tonight in New York. He's, he's he's been phenomenal this year. Absolutely, and I think why people call him the most improved is now he's up he's up on that top echelon. He's 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 a superstar now. The first two years he was a very good player, but now that he's developed that three point that, that he's developed that three point shot. He's now up there with the top players in the league. He's up there. He's in the top ten now. I think that's why he's been. That's why people are saying he is the most improved. Yeah, he's he's in that conversation. Okay. 
Okay, that makes sense. I still I don't know if I would like vote him there because it's just he's always been a good player since coming to the league. But uh, yeah, because he had developed kind of that shot this year. That was like the one thing he was lacking, you know. Uh, but like I remember when he they played in the tournament in, in Hartford a couple years ago. You know, you know they kind of like allowed free entrance into the, like the practices the day before. And I remember going to see him and to just practice and just the athleticism, what he was doing, and it just up close the dunks he was throwing down. Again, it was something special to watch. You kind of see that he, he was going to be a superstar. You saw it, what he was doing at Murray State. And again, it, it gets, comes to show that I guess the recruiting stars don't really matter. But yeah, he's been a, he's been an absolute star. He's developed his game. And, uh, you know, it's, it, again, I know I've taken a shot here, Ben Simmons, but this is what happens when you develop your game, when you try to get better. Yeah. This is what happens. Yeah. Yeah, you look at a guy like Ben Simmons. That's why you know the key can't be she can't get traded. Nobody wants him because he doesn't have a three point shot. And in today's game, these point guards that can't shoot threes are not great players. That's just the reality of the situation. Especially yeah, in the absolutely, NBA. absolutely. You know, again, you know, with the new kind of and it looks on you to take threes and get in more layups and all that and get in the line. Yeah, it, again, they got teams want guys that are going to be able to shoot the three ball. You know, and they've been able to do it. And you know, John Morant's been able to kind of figure out be able to do it and yeah you got to be to survive in this league and to be uh, you know to be that superstar guy you got to be able to hit those shots and John Morant has now become able to do that and you kind of see what's done with the Memphis Grizzlies it, it really has helped um it, it, again it you know it really has helped everybody else around him get a lot better because he is a threat from back there now they're a legitimate contender of the east because of him and they got solid pieces around him Bane uh, Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson got solid pieces around them, but they are a contender. They are a title contender be- because of John Morant and the way John Morant was able to work on his game this offseason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're they're right there. And, again, the Western Conference right now, we, again, outside the Suns, you got the Warriors. A- again, it's pretty much everybody else is kind of, you know, like anybody that's kind of win that division or that con- that whole conference. I-, I think they do have a really good, you know, good chance coming out of that of the Western conference, you know, um, you know, if they get healthy, I know Brooks has been out, but like, you know, they, he gets healthy. I think they'll be okay. Again, you know, I know Adams bound too. He's not great, but like if they get being you know, production, like they have, you know, out of the star, out of Moran, all those guys, again, the way they play defense are pretty good defensively as well. A- again, you know, Moran's a superstar. That's what you need. And you need, you need a superstar. And again, if you get just a couple of de- you know, decent players around, that can do enough and kind of step up the load. If the star, star is kind of off that evening, you can win a championship. And I think the Grizzlies have that recipe to be able to do it. Absolutely. 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 Now moving on to the Saturday night game between the Knicks and the Lakers right now, both teams have the same record 24 and 27. Both teams have been disappointing. I think the, the Lakers a little bit more than Knicks, but we'll start with the Knicks issues. And really the biggest issue with the Knicks is the roster. I mean, I, I think they just don't have that go-to guy. They don't have that superstar. R.J. Barrett has had he's gotten hot, but he's not been that guy that the Knicks were hoping for when they drafted number three overall as as in terms of being a superstar. Julius Randle, as I said last year, and I think the way he's played in the playoffs has has shown what he is. He's a very, very good number two. He's not a number one. Evan Fournier, he is so streaky. He's so up and down. Mitchell Robinson, decent defensively, but not good offensively. Uh, so you just you, you end up. Yeah, you look at this Knicks roster. It's just. And then Kemba Walker, I think his best days are behind. We hate to say it, but his best days are behind him. Mm. So you look at this Knicks roster. It's not Dom Thibodeau. I think it's the overall roster. Why the why the, and then the East is more competitive in the overall roster. It's why the Knicks have not taken the next step this year. 
Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Cause I'm like, you know, I'll take you kind of stuff further. Cause I'm like, look at Evan Fournier. How does he fit Tom Thibodeau's system? He's not a great defender. And he's just, again, if he's playing Boston, he's been great this year. But outside of that, he really has not done much. And your Kings. And your Kings. And your Kings. But everybody has good games against your Kings, though. That's the thing. Yes. Everybody does. Yes. They need a big game to play the Sacramento. But, like, he doesn't fit Tom Thibodeau's system. And, again, like, didn't they didn't want the Rosen because he was too old? Like, wasn't that really good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he didn't shoot. He didn't, shoot he didn't shoot threes. But I'll t- but even though Fournier yeah. shoots threes better, DeRozan is much more consistent. That's the thing. Oh, absolutely, he is. He's a much better defender, which fits the Thibodeau system as well. And then yeah, I love Kemba. Yeah, I, I hate bashing Kemba, but he didn't fit Thibodeau's system. He's not. His best days are behind him, as you mentioned. With the, that, he's got arthritis in his knees. He's not as good a defender as he was anymore. That was his calling card. That it was his athleticism with his speed. He doesn't have that anymore. I hate to say it, but he doesn't. Again, he's had some really good games this year, but you can't rely on him all year. And I think they miss D Rose too. They miss that point guard that kind of knows what what Thibodeau wants. They're really missing Derrick Rose until he comes out. I think they keep struggling like this. Again, um, um, uh, Grimes has kind of played well at times. Like Grimes has kind of shown you he's got some potential, but like, yeah, he's not going to be a superstar or anything. So. Yeah, I think the Knicks, I, I do think it's uh, um, the roster construction right now. It just was not good. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, now we'll talk about the Lakers and, and, and their big struggles. And I think there's a, there, there's, there's, three, there's, three, there's three reasons for it. One, it's been the health of AD and LeBron. AD has missed a bunch of time. But when the Lakers made the trade, they should have known that. I mean, AD has missed it. It worked, you know, one year, but it hasn't worked the last two years. Number two, Russell Westbrook is massively overrated. I'm so tired of hearing about Russell Westbrook. He is so overrated, and he's proving it this year. He, he just, I mean, yeah, he's one, he is the worst player. He's one of the worst players to be named MVP. In my opinion, he's one of the worst mm-hmm. players to be named MVP. He just, I mean, yeah, he just, and the problem, the biggest problem is it's not making guys better around him. It's a fact that guy cannot shoot. He's not a good three-point shooter, and that's a problem. As we said with Ben Simmons, and we said with, we talked about with Simmons and Durant. You evolve your game like John Morant, you become a top player. You, you, you know, keep doing the same thing you did, you know, five years ago, like Russell Westbrook, you continue to regress. You become less and less valuable every year. And Russell Westbrook is coming less and less valuable every year. And he's proving that with the Lakers. And then number three, making these trades for Westbrook and Davis has hurt, you know, the overall, the overall team. You see, you see what you have to give up when you had to give up, you know, you give up, uh, you give up Anthony Davis, you, you, you got to give up, uh, you know, Lonzo Ball. You, you, you had to give up uh, Brandon Ingram. You've had to give up those those players. And then making the trade for Russell Westbrook, you end up giving up, you know, the Kyle Kuzmas, the uh, the Montrezl Harrells. And the guys around, and the, now the supporting the, the uh, complementary pieces aren't good enough. That's what happens when you trade for two, two top players is the complementary pieces are not good enough. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I didn't even put, like, an Alex um, Caruso in that category. He's a good, you know, good – yeah, nothing great point guard, but, you know, um, I think he's another one. They weren't able to resign him because of the contract situations. Because, yeah, they got Westbrook and they got Davis. Um, you, you know, that's been such a huge problem. Again, I don't know why they backed out of the Buddy Heel trade. Now, I'm happy Buddy didn't go to L.A. because I didn't want to trade him to a division rival. But, again, like, yeah, they couldn't find other guys around him. And, again, LeBron, or LeBron James has been unbelievable this year. 
but you can't expect him to carry the team like he has and expect them to be healthy. He's what, 35, 36 years old? You know, he can't, you can't put it all on his shoulders. You know, AD's not staying healthy. Uh, you know, in, in AD, when he's been healthy, he's shooting less than 40% in, on his mid range jumpers. And, you know, from, and he's shooting, you know, less than 30% from three. And again, like besides the post, that's really the only five been able to score this year when he's, when he's been healthy. And again, they don't have the comp. Yeah, as you mentioned, the complementary pieces just are not there for this team. And, um, and it showed, you know, again, I know we mentioned it quickly last week. Why I don't understand why they got rid of Rondo. I, you know, again, he makes everybody else around you better. He doesn't need to score 15 points a game. You know, he doesn't need the triple doubles. I just, again, I, I you know, again, I kind of put it on. You know, I is it? I know LeBron's somewhat of the GM. They say there. Um, I, you know, it's on the front office for the way they've kind of been constructed. Um, this year, and again, they're 2023 20, 23 for, for a reason, or 24, whatever they are. Again, you, you had to know Anthony Davis was not going to stay healthy, and even the last few years, LeBron's kind of struggled that time to stay healthy. You had that more than just those two, and uh, you know, it, it, they're just not great, and then defensively, too, they just they're, they're horrible. And then Russell Westbrook, I think, is he's ranks in 32nd percentile of the defensive efficiency, yeah. he just doesn't help on that end of the floor either. He hurts them more no, than he helps. No. Not at all. Not at all. That's why I think if LeBron and AD don't don't play, I think my Knicks beat them on Saturday night. I I could totally see it. You know, if Randall comes to play, Knicks are healthy. I, I could totally see it. You know, they're they're the, the, the uh, Lakers just aren't healthy. They're not playing well. I, I could absolutely see the Knicks going in there and knocking them off Saturday night. Would would not surprise me one bit seeing that. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. So we got to wrap up the show talking about uh, a transfer, and that's Caleb Williams is transferring to USC. I think I'm going to be honest. I think USC wins the Pac-12. Call me crazy, but I think USC wins the Pac-12, and then in his junior year, I think they're national championship contenders. I think that 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 that's what Caleb that's what this move is going to bring to US USC because I think Caleb Williams knows the offense. I he's going to have two big years with USC. Yeah, I do too. You know, I think next year they probably are the front runners again. I, I, I don't know what to expect right now. And don't count the youth. Don't count Jesus, the youth out, like, but not count out. Count don't Williams. count the youth, but you know, without Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, you still lost the Rose Bowl. Let, 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 let's get that straight. They, they, they had a rough one there. No, actually, yeah. Dobia absolutely destroyed. Yeah, he, he owned them. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. He owned them in that game. He did. Oh man, you're gonna see a lot more kind of offensive uh, system there now with with Lincoln Riley in town. But um, yeah, I, again, I can't count the youth. But again, you see, they're gonna be right there. Um, you know, I think they are gonna kind of baby the Rose Bowl can, you know, participate for the Pac-12 this year. You know, I don't really know what they're gonna expect for Dane Lanning yet with the Ducks. Um, but yeah, with this offense again, because USC's um today's like the official signing day. I don't know what USC's up to. They're like still at the 50s or 60s. He's drawing a lot of good transfers that are really going to help this thing turn around very quickly. And yeah, Williams with his offense, I, I think, you know, I, I do agree. Two years, I think this is a national contender. I think next year, I believe they open with, no, they open with Texas. Who do they open with? Uh, they open with somebody big. And I think we're going to like find out very early what to expect um, of the Trojan. But yeah, I, I think in two years, you're going to see a very good um, – you're going to see a Trojan team that's going to be right back up there um, that's, um, you know, competing. And, you know, where, where they should be 
as a national championship contender because um that's where you should be Caleb Williams to be able to do that to him he you know uh, already knowing Lincoln Riley's scheme here at being at, or- at Oklahoma last year I had to elevate that offense again I think that defense with the pieces they're gonna bring it's gonna get better and what boy we Lincoln Riley been able to coach I yeah USC next year should win the Pac-12 then Utah we're gonna probably the top three right now and then I, I do think in two years they they should be sitting right there, uh, you know, finally kind of being included in the playoff conversations. Absolutely. How is this going to affect Oklahoma? Oklahoma, so they got Dylan Gabriel, the former UF, um, Central Florida quarterback. He played well his um, freshman year, broke his collarbone at Louisville in week three, didn't play the year after. Um, he's going to be reunited with Jeff Levy, who recruited him uh, to UCF before he went to Lane Kiffin. So uh, with Ole Miss, so uh, he's going to be running to Oklahoma. I think, I think, you know, they, they you know, some of their really talented guys left, you know, even at the wide receiver course. So, I, you know, I think Oklahoma's going to be just fine. You know, I think Oklahoma's going to be right there in the Big Twelve once again, kind of competing, you know, right there with the chance to play in Dallas, you know, for the for the title for for the conference title. But I like Dylan Gabriel coming in. I like Jeff Levy. He's got, you know, they're going to run, you know. Uh, does the same type of offense kind of the running, you know, or, or um, the high octane offense, you know, um, and uh, you know, Gabriel's kind of been able to do that with um, with UCF his freshman year. I think he'll do it just fine, you know, in Oklahoma. Uh, he committed to UCLA, went to like the class first day, and then and then decided to transfer to Oklahoma for whatever reason. I'm not sure why, but I think he's a good get for Oklahoma. Um, I do like the addition here with Gabriel again, a guy, veteran guy in here after you lost him and uh, Williams and Rattler. So get another veteran guy in here, I think was big. And I, Gabriel's going to hold down the court just fine. Yeah, we'll see what happens with both teams. Uh, with the, We'll see how this move impacts both teams. But that's going to wrap it up this week on Sports Talk with R&J. For our producer, Jace Garcia, did a great job. And for Justin D'Onofrio, I'm Steve Risser. We'll be back next week with our Super Bowl preview and previewing the NBA trade deadline. Have a great weekend, everyone. Jones on first down, wide open, it's Barkley, and Saquon Barkley will take it into the end zone. Your best ability is availability. Saquon Barkley, he's great when he's on the field, but the problem is since 2018, he hasn't been healthy for this team. Look at this, they lob it to him, he taps it in off the glass. How about that? Porter Moser, I think right now is the best coach in college basketball, hands down. Finch, two for three, he's done his part. Pitch is drilled to deep right field toward the pole, and it is gone. They don't mind not being what they were in the 90s as the best organization in baseball, because the Yankees are not they're even close to the best organization in baseball. They're trying to be the Rays, and the Rays do this for a reason. Like, you're the Yankees. Hello, my name is Joe McGuire. I'm the president of Clovercrest Media Group. And here at CMG, we have a wide variety of podcasts, including sports shows like Keys to the City, The Roll Call, Throwing Jabs, All Four Downs, and Jawing About the G-Man. And great true crime shows like Sticky Week, Crimes and Consequences, Ivy League Murders, and Bird, The Unsolved Murder of David Eichmann. You can find all these podcasts and so much more by visiting clovercrestmedia.com.